Cancer Advances, a Cleveland Clinic podcast for medical professionals, exploring the latest innovative research and clinical advances in the field of oncology. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cancer Advances. I'm your host, Dr. Dale Shepard, a medical oncologist here at Cleveland Clinic overseeing our toxic phase one and sarcoma programs. Today, I'm happy to be joined by Carrie Imsch, program coordinator for the Fourth Angel Program. She's here today to talk to us about the Fourth Angel Mentoring Program. So Carrie, welcome. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me, Dr. Shepard. I'm excited to be here. So maybe to start out, just tell us a little bit about what you do here at Cleveland Clinic. So I'm a program coordinator with Fourth Angel Mentoring Program, which is a mentoring program managed by Cleveland Clinic. However, it's a national free um, mentoring program for any patient and caregiver across the U.S. Um, The program is a one-to-one telephone and email-based adult peer mentoring service. Um, So we provide confidential outreach and support to cancer patients and their caregivers. When we think about providing support, what kind of support are we talking about here? So first and foremost, we emphasize emotional support. Um, A fourth angel mentor serves as an active listener, and we really strive for them to empower patients and caregivers with knowledge, awareness, hope, and a helping hand. So a mentor is a cancer survivor. Um, If they're a caregiver mentor, that means that they've cared for someone with cancer. And that mentor is matched with a patient who has the same diagnosis, similar treatment plan, close in age when they were diagnosed. So the mentor really understands what the patients and caregiver are dealing with and going through their journey. So I'm going to take a step backward. Fourth Angel Mentoring Program. Tell me about the name, Fourth Angel. Everyone always asks this, and it's a really great story. So Scott Hamilton, the Olympic gold medalist of figure skating, he came to Cleveland Clinic in 1999, and um, he was, you know, really happy with his care team. He's uh, an inspirational person, as we all know, and he wanted to give back. So he created the program, and the reason why he named it Fourth Angel is because Scott always says he had his three angels by his side, which were his friends, his family, and his care team. And he was missing that fourth angel, someone who could really understand what he was dealing with, someone who's been down the same road, the same cancer diagnosis, same chemotherapies, treatment, surgeries, et cetera. So he created Fourth Angel. Are there particular kinds of cancer? You said this is a very broad program. Are there particular kinds of cancer that really we see more involvement? How, how does that work? Yes. Uh, we tried to get every single type of diagnosis, but definitely breast cancer uh, is our largest mentor pool. We have about 1,200 active mentors in our database and approximately 300 are breast cancer. But that being said, we do have Across the board, we have every, almost every single type of cancer um, in our mentor pool. And how do people um, find the program? How do they, how do they reach out and, and get involved? So being a national program, we receive referrals mostly through Cleveland Clinic because we are managed through the hospital system, but we also receive external referrals from basically 900 organizations that we partner with. So that's places like American Cancer Society refers callers to us. Um, We have our brochures sent out to our, we call them our partners, but 
probably 250 um, cancer organizations across the U.S. have our brochures on display. And then we accept referrals from physicians, nurses, social workers. Self-referrals are very common with the patients and caregivers and their loved ones. So really anyone can make a referral to get support. And I ask about the sort of tumor types and and you mentioned things like breast cancer being more common, but what about stage of cancer? Is this something where people primarily get involved at the very, very early stage or during active treatment afterward? What, what, is, uh, what does that typically uh, look like? I would say all of the above. Um, we do get a lot of of patients that call us right when they get diagnosed. But then we also, on the flip side, receive callers who are post-treatment. Um, the patients, you know, are done and they just don't really know what to do next. They've been, you know, living this this treatment and um, post-treatment and it's just, it's a very confusing time emotional for them. So they want to mentor after they're, they're done with their treatment. So obviously, you know, we're open to providing support to a patient or a caregiver whenever they need it. You mentioned patients and care- caregivers, and I just want to make sure that I was clear. So there are sort of mentor relationships with not only patients, but also the caregivers, like independently? Right. So we match caregiver to caregiver. So basically that match is whatever the relationship was. So if it's a, if it's a caregiver who cared for their spouse, that spouse had cancer, then we could match, you know, two wives whose husbands had colon cancer or um, a, a person who cared for their parent, or we even have a pediatric caregiver uh, program, a component to our program where we match parent to parent or guardian to guardian. Um, so it's that's also very flexible. So there's times where we'll match different types of relationships because, you know, a caregiver's role has its own similarities, even if it's not the same relationship. And how exactly are those matches made? How, how do you go about uh, matching mentors to patients or mentors to caregivers? So basically, when a patient calls, um, our team members provide a thorough intake assessment, and we just we need to determine the individual needs of each patient or caregiver. Um, I mentioned earlier, primarily we match based on diagnosis stage of cancer, treatment plan, their age, and their gender. Uh, we also try to dig deeper, you know, if they're looking for a specific type of chemotherapy or a drug or hormonal therapy, um, we'll do a match based on that as well. It's really an open book when it comes to, you know, the, the areas of what each patient needs and wants. Um, and we do our best to fulfill their, their uh, request. So this is a national program. There's very diverse uh, populations. How exactly does it work? What, what is a normal relationship look like? Um, Is it a phone call? Is it a a Zoom link? How do people get together and get that support? Well, it usually starts with a phone call. Um, So with when the patient is matched, the mentor always calls the mentee first within two days, and they have that initial conversation. And it's really up to the mentor and the mentee where they want to you know, how often they want to continue the communication and what type of communication, like a lot of people text now and a lot of people want to do Zoom calls or um, FaceTime or whatever. So it's really up to the comfort level of the mentor and the mentee. But I would say that initially it's a phone call or an email. Um, Those are the two most popular forms of communication. And then they can 
uh, talk for as long as they'd like, communicate for as long as they'd like. The mentorship is open-ended. A lot of our patients and mentors end up staying friends for years. It's amazing how, how their relationships can build just from one phone call. And how frequently do they normally, I mean, I realize that there's a wide range, but you know, if someone's yeah. thinking about being a mentor, like what would they be considering um, as the normal sort of relationship? What would, you know, how, how often would that be? Well, I would say it varies because with some of our matches, the patient just has some very specific questions and they talk maybe once or twice. And then, you know, maybe the mentor will check in with them here and there. And then with others, it's more the patient needs a little more support. So we try to set boundaries with our mentees, letting them know that the patient might have multiple mentors. It's a volunteer position and they're not medical professionals. So we make that clear when we do our intake to make sure that it's appropriate to match the patient. And then we let them know that speaking with their mentor maybe once a week, once every two weeks is the most appropriate amount of time that that the mentor will provide. And since this is supposed to be providing sort of emotional support and, and, you know, sort of information, but not necessarily medical information. I suppose that's something that has to be managed as well. Right. That's one thing that we make clear from the get-go when we're speaking with patients. One of the questions that we ask them in our intake is, what type of support do you have? And then they usually let you know, like if they don't have any family or they don't have any friends or or the opposite, or they're going to a counselor, they don't, you know, they don't want to have counseling. So we try to make sure that they realize that the mentors are there for emotional support, but they are not clinicians, they're not counselors. And then we provide resources. So, you know, if a patient needs a little bit more help, we always refer them back to their social worker, but we also provide um, external resources like cancercare.org or other type of support resources where they can have like phone counseling with an oncology social worker, um, things like that. Is there a way the mentors can also help out from, you know, if they're providing emotional support, but they realize during that relationship that, you know, they really do need to double back to a social worker. Can they, can they loop into that or they just make the recommendation back to the patient to do that? No, we actually tell them to contact um, our team. So if there's any type of situation where they feel like their mentee needs more help than what the mentor can provide, they need to let us know so we can intervene. That's where we would reach back out to the mentee and offer other resources and kind of check in and see how they're doing and what else we can do to help them. And how does one become a mentor? How does somebody uh, say, look, I've, I've been helped in the past. I, I think I can provide support. I, I want to do this. How do, how do they go about doing that? So basically, they can self-refer. If somebody refers them to our organization, obviously they call or email or visit our website. And we first do a background check on every single mentor, just like all Cleveland Clinic volunteers and staff. So the background check goes through and then we have an online or phone training. And the online training is through my learning, just like all of the Cleveland Clinic trainings that we have um, to do every year. And then we can also do it via phone. And we used to do it in person, but obviously with the um, COVID-19, that's something we've halted. And then once they go through their training, they become a certified mentor. And we're in constant communication with our mentors, you know, making sure they have everything they need. If there's any additional um, information or questions, we're always there. And we reach out to them every time with every match 
And then we also do follow-up after the match. We have the Office of Patient Experience did a wonderful survey for us. So we send surveys out to all of our mentors and our mentees to follow up with each match. And with that, we measure well-being, which is a very important component of our program. So we are always looking at our well-being scores. And currently, 75% of our patient and caregiver mentees report an increase in well-being after being matched with a fourth angel mentor. So we're pretty proud of that. That's excellent. So if a physician refers a a, a patient to the program, um, do they get feedback that there is a relationship or a mentoring relationship that has been established Um, So are they sort of in on the loop as well? Absolutely. So right away, we let them know that um, we'll be reaching out to the patient within 24 hours. And then as soon as the patient is matched with a mentor, we also let them know that the patient was matched. If there's any issue, if we can't connect with the patient, if we've, we do three attempts to contact each patient. So if after three attempts, we're still, you know, not hearing back, we always follow up with the person that referred the mentee to us. It's nice because sometimes they're going to happen to see the patient like the next day and they can talk to them about it and get the match made. So you certainly mentioned at the onset that this is widespread. There's a lot of organizations that are involved and it has a wide scope, but what could be done to help get the word out? So physicians that might be listening in and say, hey, that's a great thing. I, I've got three patients I know would really benefit from this. Um, how do we get the word out? How do we spread that word? Well, I would just say that we're always available to do presentations and podcasts and do a lot of virtual huddles where we'll meet with teams, always ready to do any presentation anytime. And then, of course, we have brochures, you know, the old fashioned um, marketing wave. So we obviously can provide brochures to any physician that wants to display them or put them in, you know, my journey binders, folders, et cetera, whatever each region is doing it. And then uh, we also have our website, which is a really easy resource, fourthangel.org. It's a Cleveland Clinic website, but it's an independent. So fourthangel.org is also a whole nother way to refer patients because they can create an account online and be matched in real time and message their mentor immediately on our website. So it's a real quick and easy way to get emotional support, you know, in the middle of the night, if a mentee or patient is looking for support, and it's great that they can go to our website and find that. We talked a little bit before about some tumor types, some some types of cancer are better represented than others. What, what kinds of cancers do you need help with? If um, physicians might know of someone who might be a good mentor in an area that maybe is underrepresented, what kind of tumor types would those be? That's an excellent question. The first off the top of my head would be pancreatic. Uh, We get so many requests for pancreatic um, mentors, and we really don't have too many. Liver cancer. um, There's, I would say, with our lymphomas, any type of rare type of lymphoma, of course, I'm not a doctor or clinician, so, yeah. but like a T-cell, like B-cell, T-cell things like that. Yes, things like that where any type of rare subtype, I would say, of any cancer is we're looking for that because um, more and more often people are getting diagnosed with these rare subtypes and they want to talk to someone with the same type. So those are the four that I can think of off the top of my head. And I guess similar question, what about uh, minorities or particular age groups? 
Mm -hmm. I feel like our mentor pool is pretty strong with minorities. We have Spanish-speaking mentors, not a ton, but we do have some in each area. But we're always looking for more because that seems to be more and more common that a mentee looking to speak to a mentor who speaks Spanish. And then our demographic is older, I would say, 60s, 70s. We do have uh, a lot of AYA mentors that have been signing up lately, but it's still lacking. So I would say that we would need more AYA, the young adult population, than the older population. The older population, we're pretty set with with, um, all age groups, like 60 and above. But definitely, you know, the 20s, even young 30s, we're always looking to add to our pool. So we're, other than sort of the tumors and, and um, age groups, where are the gaps? Where, what, what, what do you think is uh, the next step to make the program even more successful? Well, we are definitely working hard to get as many mentors as we can signed up on our website. Like I mentioned with our demographic, when we have older mentors, they're not as likely to create online accounts. But we are learning, especially during COVID-19, that the online um, need is very high. People are not out and about. And a lot of young people don't use the phone in terms of talking on the phone. <laughs> so I would say that what we're working on to, to be stronger is our website. Um, and it is a newer website. So um, it looks great and it's functioning excellent. We just need to add more mentors to it. So um, we're working on that as a team to reach out to all of our existing mentors to create accounts. We have about 250 out of our 1,200 that have online accounts. So you can see where if a patient is on there, they might not find a match right away. So we obviously um, have a call to action to call our team to get them matched offline. But so I would say that's our biggest job right now is to get that website, um, get our mentors registered as soon as possible and get it to be stronger so we can make um, better matches online. A lot of these interactions by phone or by, you know, emails, things like that. But um, was the Fourth Angel program, has it been affected in any significant way by the COVID pandemic? You know, we were prepared that it would, and it's honestly been busier. So in a good way, I guess, uh, we have received an overabundance of patients and caregivers looking for support because, as we all know, those support groups have been dwindling if they're meeting at all. And I know they weren't in the beginning and they might have stopped and gotten back together now, but the in-person ones are not around like they were. And people are struggling, obviously, with quarantine and being isolated and not being able to go out and not seeing people and And then, of course, the people that are um, receiving chemotherapy and having to deal with going, you know, into treatment during a pandemic. I mean, there's just so many (laughs) counterparts. So we have seen a a big growth. Um, We're very busy and which is great. You know, our mentors have had to learn kind of a new way to mentor too, because the mentors have never been through a pandemic. They didn't go through treatment during a pandemic, so they don't really have that experience. So they're, you know, they're doing the best they can to provide the support during this whole new world that we're living in. Well, Carrie, you're doing uh, great things to help our patients, and I certainly appreciate it. So um, you've provided some great insights and information about the program. And do you have any additional comments? I would just say that our local number to make a referral is 
216-445-8734. And like I mentioned before, really easily, our website is fourthangel.org. And then our email is same thing, fourthangel at ccf.org. Very good. I appreciate you having me, Dr. Shepard. It's always so nice to talk to you and see you over video chat. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate it. So thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you. This concludes this episode of Cancer Advances. You will find additional podcast episodes on our website, clevelandclinic.org slash canceradvancespodcast. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget, you can access real-time updates from Cleveland Clinic's Cancer Center experts on our ConsultQD website at consultqd.clevelandclinic.org cancer. Thank you for listening. Please join us again soon.